Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. This episode is supported by Leapfrog Recruitment Consultants. Coming up with four local softball players now part of the GB programme, we'll be finding out what's behind the current glut of Guernsey talent. David Lee, which is GB assistant coach, said that makes up 10% of the total pool, I believe. So, I mean, you kind of put that into context and you think the population of Guernsey compared to the UK um, and you get those people coming over from Guernsey and trialling and being successful it really does help. My chat with two of our GB players Macy Cortez and Kirsty Markey coming up. We'll also look ahead to this weekend's hockey in Trinsulas in Jersey as the islands prepare to go head to head for the second time in four months. Yeah there's definitely a few things we need to do better um, especially you know, we were we were leading the game in in two moments that we could have probably done better in. Um, so yeah, there's for sure things that we need to do better on Saturday to get the right result, the result we we want to get. More on that to come. Plus, we'll touch on some of the other big sporting stories of the week. I'm Tony Kerr, and alongside me is Gareth Deprevo. Hi, Tony. Uh, great to see you, Gareth. Um, well, firstly, thanks very much to Leapfrog Recruitment Consultants for their support of the show. Big supporters of sport locally in Guernsey, and they're a major sponsor of the Guernsey Raiders. Great to have uh, them on board. So, thanks again. Um, how are you doing, Gareth? I know you've been glued to Cheltenham this week, uh, but you've been watching local sport closely as well. It's one of the benefits of having sort of two computer screens on my desk so that I can continue working while and then every now and then when a race pops up I just sort of glance down and watch that for five minutes but um, no it's nice to um, to see it's just nice to see sort of big crowds like that just enjoying sport I mean you get it sort of locally and and obviously in nationally as well um, but uh, no it's been it's been great it's, it's sort of now getting to that cross crossover of seasons I find so stuff like Cheltenham sort of brings it around that sort of like the winter season is coming to an end with all the big events now sort of happening and cup finals and titles being decided and also we've got the summer season just about to start as well and, I mean apart from Wednesday when it absolutely hosed it down it's been a beautiful week and you just start thinking oh I'll soon be sort of watching a bit of cricket and a bit of golf so it's uh, it's it's always quite a positive time of year I find. Yeah, absolutely. It's set fair as well, isn't it? Um, before we come on to those summer sports, of course, we've got some big uh, winter sports seasons still to conclude. And um, let, let's start with the rugby because uh, yeah, it was a, a big weekend again down at Footslane last week. Um, we've got a double bill under the lights on Friday night, uh, which is a bit of a rarity uh, to say the least. I mean, that's St. Jack's kickoff at about 5.30 yeah. or something, don't they? Um, so uh, yeah, good luck getting through the traffic up and down the Grange and the Rohays. That's a bit. We've got, we've got a big contingent of uh, Barry St. Edmund teams coming over because um, they're, they're their first team is obviously in Raiders Division National 2 and they're playing on Friday evening uh, 7.30 and, and their seconds are coming over to play the Vikings um, ahead of that in a nice double header so um, yeah it'd be, uh, it'd be really one to look forward to I enjoyed sort of the atmosphere under the lights obviously the last one sort of under the lights was the Siam which is a special atmosphere in itself so you, you probably couldn't really compare any Siam with, with a league fixture but um, yeah the, I was certainly speaking to Jordan Reynolds today he's, really, he's sort of hoping that um, the thought of just being able to finish work and Sort of pop down, have a have a beer, or and just watch a couple of good games of rugby might um, might Im- increase the crowds even further. I mean, they've always got a good crowd down at Foots Lane, but um, if they can push it up by another couple of hundred people t- on a on a Friday evening to watch uh, what promises to be a really good game, because there's two sort of um, 
uh, sides who look to play expansive rugby, certainly the uh, in the National 2 um, the match, which is sort of like the highlight of the evening. I don't want to decry the, the Vikings, but it, the, the big one is Raiders versus uh, Barry St. Edmund's first team. And um, no, it should, it should be a really good game and hopefully a, a cracking atmosphere too. Yeah, and just tell us about last week's matchup then, because... Uh, <laughs> How long have you got? <laughs> I think the word bemused was, uh, was used on Twitter. Uh, yes. Um, I, I, I'm not sure if my initial recording of what Jordan's interview was actually had his real, the real terminology used immediately immediately um it was one of those things that um it's it's hard to explain in very quick terms but basically Guernsey had a really good game with Clifton who were one of the title contenders and Guernsey pretty much led throughout it was always a very close game um but sort of come the last quarter of the game Guernsey were down to 14 men with Dom Rice having received two yellow cards which equates to the red um earlier in the game also Lewis Hilliard had a yellow um, and then sort of in the last, basically, I think it was in the 74th minute of the game, uh, Clifton earned a scrum five metres out from the Guernsey line and eventually it led to a penalty try about 12 minutes later because it was just sort of penalty after penalty, then reset after reset and it was just, uh, it dragged on and on somewhat and um, eventually a couple of the Guernsey props received yellow cards as well and uh, it's one of those things in the front row, you're never quite sure what's happening in the front row of a scrum, but they looked quite aggrieved to the fact that some of the decisions went against them. Um, so, yeah, it was one of those that um, the referee, um, as I wrote at the time, did not endear himself to the, the Garrison faithful. And, and he did get somewhat uh, booed when he left the pitch after... Um, the Raiders lads have been given a, a really rapturous reception. I mean, they, they they played really well sort of when they had 15 on the pitch and then they defended probably even better when they had less than 15 and they, they put in such a really big effort that they deserved the two points they got. They scored four tries. They came within seven points of the opposition. So they got something out of the game and they certainly deserved to as well. Um, but yeah, it was quite a, it was quite an entertaining um, interview afterwards as well with Jordan as he was trying to sort of uh, pick his words quite quite um, carefully. Um, but uh, no, it was actually it was a really good day's rugby. I mean, that result aside, um, earlier on the Guernsey Lady Raiders ladies put in a really good performance as well in an extraordinary game where it was thirty five fourteen at half time. So obviously pretty. Um, quite a lot of tries in that first half and then no points at all in the second half Guernsey basically had to defend throughout the whole of the second half but they did it really well um, I was very impressed by um, their their structure and their and their discipline more than anything um, but no they, they worked really hard for that win and um, it was thoroughly deserved it's just a shame that the, the men came so close to sort of making it a double on the afternoon and just right at the end, it slipped away through really no fault of their own. Yeah, just talking about the women, there was a great picture that you used on the back page of the paper this week of uh, Daisy Travers high-fiving her daughter, um, yep. having scored a try, um, captured brilliantly by Martin Gray. Um, Oh, yeah, that must be hugely inspirational to see your mum out there, kind of scoring a try and then uh, then running up and high fiving you. Well, yeah, it was um, it was quite strange because obviously I was actually. 
quite a long way down the sideline at the time. And when Daisy scored, I thought, where's she going? Because sort of like the rest of the team was sort of celebrating. And she went away from him. I thought, where's she off? And uh, it was only really when I saw Martin's picture, I, I sort of realised what had happened. But it, it's great that, um, yeah, that, that you can share those moments with your family sort of so close. And, uh, yeah, it sort of encapsulates the sort of almost the enjoyment that, that certainly the ladies get out of their game. I mean, obviously, they're, they're very competitive and they, they do play to win. But... Um, as um, it's funny, the, the captain uh, Justine Melbourne was telling it. I could hear her at half time saying that basically, are you having fun? We'll, we'll play better if you're having fun. Well, I want you to have fun, and, and that's what they go out and do. And, and they played really well and deserve their their win. Yeah, fantastic. And as for the men. Um you know, they started the season in such unprecedented fashion, really, wasn't it? It was win after win after win um, in, in tight games. Um, but it, it was a fantastic start to the season. Since then, it's, uh, you know, the, the wins have come with a, mixed in with a few losses as well. Firstly, how do you expect them to respond on Friday night, uh, given the, the disappointment, um, the sort of bitterness of the end uh, on Saturday? But also, how do you assess the, the kind of the occasions that we're getting at Fitzsay in the season as sort of Raiders become a, a kind of, I suppose, a steady force in, in National 2? Yeah. They've um, they certainly they've obviously learnt a lot from their first um, foray into the national two, which is a couple of years ago now. Um, they they developed the strength of their squad, which is of the utmost importance. Really, you can't go into a season in national two with basically a, a selection of sort of twenty to twenty two players. You need twenty eight to thirty players who are capable of playing at that level. Um, over the last couple of years, uh, they've developed that. And they are they are a threat to pretty much every side in that division. I mean, Clifton are within I think three points, whatever it is, of top spot. They're they're chasing top spot. Um, there's four teams all fighting for it at the top. And I think I mean I'm, perhaps I am a bit biased, but I think Jordan was right when he said we were the better side with 15 men on the pitch, and um, that's what we're capable of. Going into this weekend, um, off the back of that, I I sort of put it to him: it's a short turnaround because it's a Friday night game. And with the frustration and disappointment of last week, how are they going to be? Um, he reckons from the players' point of view, he, he thinks from what he's seen in training during the week that they'll put all of their energy into just getting the result this weekend because of that frustration. They, they want to um, perhaps put it right is, is the wrong phrase because they, they didn't do an awful lot wrong last week, but they, they want to um, sort of get a response out of themselves. Um, from his point of view, he was pretty adamant. He, he said, um, you, I mean, Tony, you've mentioned the, the start of the season where they had sort of seven wins on the trot after losing at Worthing. And he basically said that the loss at Worthing still hurts him more than anything that happened last week because he felt they should have beat Worthing and they didn't do things that he wanted them to do. Whereas last week he said he's got no problem. They put in everything they had into that game. And so he, he said he doesn't come away disappointed with anything they did. The result obviously is a shame, but he's, he's more than more than happy to basically put that one to bed and move on to the next one. So, um, yeah, they're, they're becoming really settled at National 2 now. And um, uh, hopefully if they manage to fulfil all their fixtures now, because they've still got a couple to catch up with, they're, they're um, still, um, I think they played the least games of everyone in the division because of sort of travel and COVID issues over the season. Um, yeah, come come the time they're playing Jersey again in Asylum, hopefully we'd have finished the league in that top six or seven maybe well it's going to be good down there on friday night 5 30 and 7 30 kickoffs for the vikings and the raiders uh, so hopefully we'll see plenty of um, plenty of supporters down there for those two um 
it would usually be pretty busy this weekend just over the way on the hockey pitch but I imagine it'll be a quiet one because uh, we've got several teams heading over to Jersey for another batch of interinsulars well say another batch of interinsulars we've really got the, the seniors and the, the juniors didn't we last time um, so twos and threes going this time but um, yeah four months on from that, that sort of return to the big team interinsular competition that we saw um, in November um, yeah against these uh, hockey players heading over having drawn the two matches here last time uh, you've been catching up with Andy Good the men's coach let's hear what he has to say first second interinsular in the space of about five months I mean <laughs> it's a bit different to what you've been used to but our preparation has been going yeah really good actually we're, we're in a good space at the moment we've, uh, we've had two week, uh, sessions a week for the last uh, few weeks so boys are raring to go for the weekend um, and because we played Jersey sort of so relatively recently um, what lessons did you take from that game which you want to sort of um, put right let's say on Saturday yeah there's definitely a few things we need to do better um, especially you know we were we were leading the game in, in two moments that we could have probably done better in um, so yeah there's for sure things that we need to do better on Saturday to get the right result the result we, we want to get for sure um, there's been a few changes in personnel so the, I mean sort of coming back and uh, reasons behind some of those? Uh, yeah, so um, we, we were going to go with 14 this time. Um, um, Sam Dawes is back in. Uh, he's been playing really well for Colombians and um, yeah, he's, it's a no-brainer really that Sam plays. Um, AD Peacegood comes back in and um, yeah, Bradley Norman and Steve Udenkamp are going to be our 15th and 16th players. Um, again, Brad's done really well for for indies and uh steve steve has, has not let us down at all so he's gonna th those two are gonna play uh for the twos in the morning and then for us in the afternoon right. that gives us our 16 yeah, so pretty well balanced overall good good side good strong side um so we're looking forward to the game imagine it'll be another sort of goal fest they tend to provide goals these games don't they they do. Uh, we, we hopefully we won't have any going in our net, but um, yeah, you, we've got to be ready for the challenge. Um, we absolutely will be ready. Um, you know, I know Jersey are um, doing pretty well at the moment. They're they're doing well in the HA, and um, they'll be a good good side again. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a good competitive game. It's always sort of quite an interesting sort of contrast of stars, isn't it? As well, I, I mean, I've sort of found after the November game, I think our strength and depth is greater than Jersey's, but they obviously sort of play to their strengths and, and they do it well. Yeah, they're all they're all good, solid, technically good mm -hmm. hockey players. Uh, they play a good, solid game. They they um, you know they kind of prey on your mistakes, um, and, and unfortunately we, we made too many of those on in the last game that they capitalised on. Um, so yeah, they're strong from short corners. We know that. Um, yeah. So it, it, our process is about trying to make sure that we uh, stop their their threats coming forward, and and um, yeah, we we, we provide a, a you know a good threat going forward ourselves. And of course, um, being away from home for the first time in a couple of years, sort of thing. Um, is it a case of trying to quieten the crowd as quickly as possible, sort of thing? Well, we're looking forward to going to seeing, seeing our old friends in Jersey. It's uh, it's been a it's been a long while, so yeah. I mean, while, whilst there is a good competitive rivalry, it'll be nice to see some uh, some friendly faces again in in uh, over there. So yeah, we're, we're really really looking forward to getting over there. Uh, first time we've well, some of us will have seen their clubhouse as well. So oh, of course, yeah. yeah, so um, yeah, look really looking forward to it and. Um, 
yeah, just hope hope we get the right result. Yeah, and just generally, you'd say the, the mood in the camp is confident that you yeah. will do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we 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 shouldn't be going into it fearing anything. Um, you know, our, our league is strong. Um, we've we've got a lot of good players in our team. We just need to do the right things on the on the day. Gunsy's men's hockey coach Andy Good there talking to you, Gareth. Um, yeah. Here we go again. <laughs> yeah. As I said to a goodie at the start of the interview, I sort of said, well, it took two and a half years to actually get an injury in Syria, and now we've got another one four months later. Um, yeah, and um, the big thing sort of from my point of view is from, between the two insurances, the Guernsey men's side have basically changed four people because of unavailabilities and and some people coming back now. And uh, it does show the strength we've got available that it, it hasn't weakened the side at all if anything you'd probably suggest it, it's made it a, a bit stronger certainly Sam Dawes coming back in is a is a massive plus for Guernsey he's, he's been playing really well he basically took a sabbatical from the game for a season um, he's come back um, refreshed and he's looking really dangerous for Colombians so I think he'll pose Jersey a big threat uh, and we got AD Piscuit back AD who's perhaps I, I can't imagine anyone's played more interests than AD and he continues to sort of defy logic really he's, he's into his 40s now I don't know his exact age but he still seems as fit as a fiddle and he's still got the, the hunger um, he's got the hunger enough to win a league game but when it comes to playing against Jersey he certainly hates losing so um, I imagine um, his leadership will count for a lot on Saturday when um, Guernsey for the first time will be playing in, in front of the new Jersey Hockey Club stand which was opened in, back in 2019 they haven't had the chance to play there yet so it'll be a big weekend for them and for the, the women obviously um, I thought they played well against Jersey who probably went in as favourites in, in the November game and um, they too have had a couple of changes um, more because of university um, students not being available but um, they've got a, a strong side as well and um, yeah I, I, I don't think sort of like coming back with both trophies is out of the question at all yeah and two cracking games at Footslane um, last time around so if they're anything like that the, that crowd over on the uh, the new clubhouse in Jersey will enjoy what they see and certainly um, if anything to go by last weekend's um, under 14 entrances which were at Footslane um, while I was watching the, the Guernsey women's rugby and um, Guernsey won both the girls and boys and the, the reception those teams got was fantastic the, the goals were going in you, you could certainly tell when the goals were going in because the cheer was huge and um, um, just having that sort of support obviously helps but um, yeah I think Guernsey will be looking to quieten the crowd in Jersey this weekend yeah well best of luck to um, the men and the women and uh, the other teams as well the twos and threes uh, yeah it's a full interinsular programme Tony there's uh, six games so it's back to sort of like the full on all day um, hockey fest that's um, entrances uh, traditionally are so um, I'm sure everyone's looking forward to it yeah great to see um, right well let's leave it there for part one next up we'll be talking softball welcome back to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast and thanks again to Leapfrog Recruitment Consultants for their support of the show uh, do give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts uh, and uh, don't forget to give us a share on social media if you want and you're enjoying what you're listening to um, now softball has a rich history in Guernsey uh, its heyday might have passed in some regards but the sport is enjoying a new golden age certainly when it comes to national representation uh, the island now boasts four players in Great Britain's slow pitch programme uh, Kirsty Markey and Jake Elmy recently joining Macy Cortez and Josh Smith after trialling successfully uh, over in England. It means all four are now in the mix to earn selection for international competitions this year. And I've been speaking to Macy and Kirsty to find out more about what that means uh, and what's the secret taking Guernsey softball players onto the next level. Guys, great to see you. Thanks for coming on the pod. Thanks, Thanks for having us. us. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, in sync. In sync. Congratulations, I suppose, to both of you uh, um, on the, the selection for the, the GB squad. Thank um, you. Yeah, obviously, we've got two new faces in there from Guernsey to, to have been there before. Um, I mean, Macy, let's come to you first because you've been involved in the GB setup for a little while now. Tell us about your, your story with it. How did you come to be involved in the, the sort of national team? So, basically, um, my club team went over to Bristol Rec. I think that was 2016, yeah, so. 2016, and um, there were scouts, but obviously we weren't told about the scouts. No one really knew. And I went, like, went to the tournament. We won the tournament. It was really good fun. Uh, came home, and then I had a family trip to Ham, and my dad got a random phone call, and he went off, and he was gone for like an hour, and I was <laughs> like, oh god, what's going on? Like something's happened, and he came back, and he sat down, and he was like. <sighs> I'm going to have to get a lot more money. Like, my bank account's going to be broken. And I said, well, why? And he said, oh, well, I've just had a phone call from the GB coach to say they want you to guest in the World Series. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. And so I was just kind of... I cried. I was like, oh, my God. Um, and then so I went and guested, and they were like, you definitely need to come back, like, to trial. Um, you, you're young, and we need upcoming players. And I was like, oh, right, OK, thank you. Uh, so then we went to trials. Um, we all went actually. Me, Kirsty, Jake Elmy, Jake Mai, and Josh Smith. We all went to trials, and unfortunately, it was just me and Josh that got in that year. Um, but basically, we played for World Series. We played for every tournament we possibly could. Um, and then COVID hit, so we couldn't go over for two, three years. And then we all trialed again, and then we got. Jake and Kirsty as well. So, yeah, you obviously didn't uh, give up the pursuit then, <laughs> Kirsty, of getting in that no, setup. Um, no. <laughs> how did it feel for you to be included this time around? Um, I think so. Last time I trialed was 2019, obviously a little bit younger, um, kind of got that additional experience. Uh, so, last year, I ended up playing for Bristol Tigers in the National Softball League. Um, again, obviously, like softball in the UK compared to Guernsey is just a complete other standard um so getting that additional experience being around actual gb players itself in the squad uh just really i think it helped me for sure so yeah trialing this year i was a lot more um i kind of had that little inkling in the back of my mind i think i've done good and i was like you know don't get too set on it but have don't completely just think that you've missed the mark like so yeah it was really really good and then um yeah when I got the email I was absolutely buzzing I was like jump around the lounge <laughs> so yeah it was really good and as I say there are four of you um in the squad then this year yep just put that into context for us then I mean how significant is that for Guernsey softball it's it's amazing to be honest um I think us being involved with GB has really put Guernsey on the map um I mean our coach has said maybe they can come over for a tournament and see how like we play compared to them because, as Kirsty said, it is very much a whole different ball game. Um, <clears throat> if you think Division One's competitive over here, it's nothing compared to the standard in the UK. So it's it's really good fun. I actually can't wait to play with the whole Guernsey squad. I just like to add on that I think, obviously having. Um, well, it's four in total. And I think uh, David Lee, which is GB assistant coach, um, said that makes up 10% of the total pool, I yeah. believe. So, I mean, you kind of put that into context and you think the 
population of Guernsey compared to the UK. Um, and you get those people coming over from Guernsey and trialling and being successful. It really does help and we want to try and obviously get more people to go over and really put their effort into trial and hopefully get some more in so a lot of people also when they hear that someone from such a small island has joined the team everyone gets involved so like world series they had two guernsey people like coming over and the crowd was huge because they were like guernsey is really small we've never heard of you but having four of us it's going to be Showtime, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you say that the levels, yeah, clearly uh, step up and it, it's something else. But obviously we're getting something right here in terms of the way the sport is set up and, and how you guys approach it. What, what's, the, what's the kind of secret sauce that's, that's producing all these great softball players? Um, I mean, well, especially for you, um, Macy's dad played from a very, very young age. She's been in Guernsey squad. He's played many Euros and uh, international championships and things. Um, my uncle personally plays and he just kind of taught me from a young age but um, Josh again his father was in the fast pitch scene um, Jake's dad played as well I believe so we've all got a family member that kind of introduced us to it um, that kind of initial you know when when you're young obviously you take things on I think a lot easier you pick that thing up so um, it's good to have that under your belt uh, but yeah I mean in general I think our standard in Guernsey is noticed um, in the UK as well so it's good and obviously Island coach um, Ryan De Jersey as well. So um, we've all been part of the Guernsey squads A and B as well, playing Marathis and things. Or um, we did the Windsor Invitational Tournament a few years ago. So yeah, obviously just coaching in general. I think our standard of coaching over here is very high. So yeah. producing good players for yeah, sure. Fantastic. <laughs> I think you can kind of say it's written in our nature, really. Um, from a very young age, since I could pretty much walk, I was holding a bat in my hand. So, um, the, quite intimidating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of opportunities as well. So you've got like minis, which is I think it's six to eleven, and you've got development twelve to eighteen, and then you can join the league, the second division, anywhere from thirteen, and the first division anywhere from fourteen. So realistically, you've got so many chances over here, um, and I also think. The amount of coaches that we do have who have actually had so much experience either in the island squad for slow pitch or fast pitch um, and just the amount of people that come up to watch and they tell their stories or like for me I know when I hear about my dad and my uncle Ben they were like this famous duo and it's like you kind of want to live up to that and become that and in your own little thing because you never got to see it for yourself, so you kind of want to live in their shoes. So yeah, because softball in Guernsey has a real rich history, doesn't it? And it, yeah. it, was, it was it was massive, I guess, going back a couple of decades. Yeah. But they must be, you know, you're, you're, yeah, everyone must be very proud seeing you guys kind of uh, yeah taking it on and and I suppose making sure that 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 spirit is still alive. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. I think. Um, may be wrong on the maths but I think the association started 1932 so it's one of the longest standing like sporting associations on the island um, obviously fast pitch back then was massive and I mean compared to our kind of uh, average weekend um, viewership wise people coming up to actually spectate it's nowhere near what it used to be um, but we're just trying to obviously big that sport up and get more people up as we can obviously more media coverage that was a little bit 
I think last year, um, you know, whether it be video or radio or anything, just trying to actually promote the sport even more, get more people involved. It's just trying to grow that community even more. But we're very tight knit. Yeah. <laughs> They're a good group. So, yeah, everyone's really, um, yeah, we all big each other up and everyone's really excited for us. So it's nice. Yeah, you definitely get a feel for that when you come up. I mean, it's, it's great to see everyone sort of makes a day of it. Um, kind of settles in with their kind of their camp chairs and yeah, their, their exactly. food drink. yeah I mean f- apart from sort of being good at it obviously what do you enjoy most about the sport personally it's just just kind of seeing everyone and actually playing with everyone because you're all one big family and there's never really any clickiness never really any arguments that happen and if it is it's pure competitiveness so I think just being up there, being in the atmosphere and also bettering yourself. So it's like if you had a bad game and you're trying to let it go, it's like, right, well, I did this wrong. Don't do it again. And then the next game you come up and you're even more feisty. So it's, it's, it's a constant like fight to get better, really. I would I would say, um, yeah, the atmosphere as well. I think, um, I mean, we both personally play first division, uh, but it's still... Although it's competitive and people want to win, you never really have that. Um, there's never any arguments or people are, you know, arguing with umpires and yeah. things like that. It's still very friendly in that aspect, but you do want to win at the end of the day. Um, Division two, again, slightly more relaxed, but people do. I mean, it's a league. So if you want to come out on top and you want to win the division, then <laughs> that's what you've got <laughs> you to do. Go I mean, yeah. we all have disagreements, like with the umpires or with team captains and things. And it's sometimes it can get a bit heated, but it's not like bad heated. It's just kind of your anger coming out because you know that you guys can do better and yeah. No one really agrees with a referee 100% of the time. So. It happens in every sport, yeah. really, doesn't it? But I think, yeah, atmosphere for one is just, yeah, there's one big community. I mean, you go up, it whether it's your friends, your family, or, uh, yeah, it's just you do make a day of it, really. Um, especially like tournament weekends, they're really good fun. Uh, so yeah, just being around everybody, I would say. Yeah, fantastic. And what's um, what's on the agenda for this season? Then what are the what are the goals, aspirations for you guys? Uh, yeah, so we've got um, NSL weekend one, two, and three. So we've got May, June, July. Um, as we said earlier, we've got GB Challenge and Open in April. So that determines, obviously, based on performance, whether we make selection for Euros and World Series later on in the year, which is again July and September. So, yeah, lots of trips, lots of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, best of luck with, Thank you uh, very much. Yeah, with everything this year. Thanks. Look forward to following your progress. That's yeah, great. Thank, Thank you. Keep us posted. Thanks. I will do. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Cheers. Kirsty Markey and Macy Cortez uh, speaking to me there. Best of luck to them uh, for their year in the GB programme. Uh, great to see uh, the success that those guys are uh, having. Um, Right, we're almost done for today. Uh, Gareth, a quick look ahead to what else is coming up this weekend. And it is a big one um, for Sebastian Prio, uh, who begins his World Endurance Championship uh, campaign following in his dad's footsteps. I know, it's amazing, isn't it? It doesn't seem that long ago that um, Andy was driving in these in these huge events. And now Seb, is um, he's already in Florida for the spring starting um, race of the season and uh, topped the timesheets last week, I think, in the prologue. So he's obviously taken to his new car very quickly, and um, it seems like pretty exciting times for Seb. And, yeah, it's uh, it's just another big step up in what's already been quite an amazing career, and he's only um, he's only really just started out. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? We'll be following that very closely. Best of luck um, to him. Um, elsewhere, a bit closer to home, it's a big weekend for our netballers. 
um, who finally get to see some off-island competition. Um, teams from Cheshire uh, coming over to St. Sampson's High to take on well, a variety of age groups. And um, uh, I think they've been over before. Uh, so obviously a good relationship that's been built up there and um, a good test ahead of the interinces, which will be back on the agenda in uh, just a couple of months' time. So, um, yeah, uh, an exciting weekend um, for all the age groups there and potentially an exciting time uh, for the sport of netball and basketball because we um, saw last week the plans revealed uh, for the new post-16 campus at Les Osway. Um, as part of that, there'll be some, well, there would be some sports facilities um, if it's all approved. Um, those would include a full-size sports hall, um, a mugger, as Jeremy Frith from the uh, Sports Commission described it, which I think is a multi-use games area. That would be my guess. That's, that is what it's supposed to be. I think that's, um, that's what the official title is of the KG5 sort of 3G. They call it a mugger. Yeah, so <laughs> I always thought it was just my brother had given himself a new nickname at the KG5, but, uh, a mugger team. Getting muggered off, yeah. <laughs> But no, yeah, I think it's it's to do with basically an all-weather surface. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, that's what yeah, that's what I thought it was. Um, yeah, it is potentially a very exciting move because it would be a home for those sports volleyball as well, uh, with spectator facilities and and presumably all the the sort of runoff area that you expect, um, and would allow them to stage all their um, off-island or sort of national level competitions. So um, I know those sports. Uh, in particular, we'll be keeping their fingers crossed. Here's what uh, Jeremy Frith told me uh, about those sports facilities down there and what's planned. Um, he is the performance director for the Guernsey Sports Commission. We're obviously really chuffed to see the um, facility uh, proposals come forward. Um, we've worked really closely with the Committee for Education, Sport and Culture and, and the project team on it. Um, so excitingly, we're going to have a, a full-size sports hall within the facility, which is going to be the appropriate size for basketball, for netball, uh, for volleyball, so including all the runoff spaces that are ready, you know, appropriate for national standards. So our sports can play in UK leagues and host fixtures here. Um, without having to play all their fixtures away, which is a really important step for us. So we've got the the, uh, the indoor sports facilities in terms of the sports hall. We've also got a dedicated uh, gym in there. Um, we've got a sports science lab as well. Um, and then outside there's going to be um, a mugger, which again, it'll be a multi-purpose um, facility for outdoor games, so basketball, you know, netball, five-a-side football, lots of different things. So what we've been really clear, and, and, and obviously the plans are ambitious, is that, that whilst they're ambitious and they've got uh, value for education, is that on the other hand they've also got you know, important value for the community because we're very conscious that with the island and the population we've got, we don't want white elephants and things that can't wash their faces and, and don't add to the long-term value of the island. And so having that really important community use alongside education use means that we can guarantee um, good value for the taxpayer and, you know, a, a wide access of, and um, community usage. That community aspect, is that something that we haven't necessarily got right in past developments? Yeah, I mean, obviously the fact that, you know, basketball haven't really had a facility that allows them to play then any sort of national level fixtures, same, same with netball, unless you had all three courts of Beausajour, has kind of been something we, we've missed. So we've worked really hard and, you know, very grateful for the time and ear that we've had of the project team and, and the committee in terms of making sure that what we've got, you know, is use 
going to be used for not just the 50% of available hours that are going to be there for education use, but the rest of the time, the evenings, the weekends, the holidays, which is a massive amount of time there to make sure it is fit for purpose for that community use as well. We've heard about this idea of a home for netball, a home for basketball. Is that very much what this is, a home for those sports? Yeah, it should be an appropriate home for, for all of those sports where you know, yes, they can have their, you know, the right equipment and everything there, but we can we can get not just passable, okay-ish types of um, facilities, whether it's scoreboards or nets or whatever else. Is is that we've got stuff that's actually really good, um, and it's not over and disproportionate for the size of the island, but it meets the needs of not only today, but also five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five years down the road, which is actually when we build something like that we've got to be cognizant of the fact that it needs to meet the needs of today but actually it's going to be where our children and our grandchildren also experience their education and their community sport as well. Jeremy Frith from the Sports Commission um, speaking to me there of course we wait to see um, how those plans progress and, and uh, yeah as and when um, things are approved uh, you know we know what Guernsey's like it doesn't always happen. I'm not going to get ahead of myself quite yet but um, it, things do look quite promising. <laughs> yeah and I would just sort of build on that um, uh, that sort of, yeah, Foots Lane, kind of a, an extended area, kind of KG5 sporting kind of hub. Um, yeah, pretty exciting stuff. Um, right, just before we go, mention of what's happening football-wise this weekend, because it is a really big one um, for Sylvans, who celebrate their centenary, and a big one for St. Martins, potentially, who head up there to St. Peter, um, knowing that a point will land them the Prio title. Yeah, I went to see um, Saints play Rovers on Tuesday night, Tony at Blanche Pierre Lane, and... Um, with all due respect to Sylvans, I can't see them beating Saints. And if Saints get anything out of this game, they are, they'll be crowned champions. And the way they sort of moved through the gears on Tuesday night, they went from a really competitive first half, 1-0, just about led at half-time. And then after an hour, they were 5-0 up. They, they've just got that in them. And the way they're playing at the moment, I, I can't see anything preventing them being crowned champions this weekend, to be honest. But it uh, should be a great day up at St Peter's. As, um, like you say, Sylvans are celebrating their centenary. Um, their first ever game was against St Martins, which is why they're, they're doing it this weekend. And they've got a new... Um, a new trophy, the Henry Loray Centenary Challenge Trophy. Um, and that's going to be between um, the two clubs, um, uh, Corbett Cup squads. So that will be the, the uh, sort of curtain raiser to the day, which I believe is kicking off at uh, 10 to 1. And then the Prio League game will follow on afterwards. But it should be a great day up at St Peter's and hopefully they a good crowd up there as well. Yeah, looking forward to that. Um, as we say, before the weather's set fair. So, uh, yeah, it promises to be a really good weekend of sport all round. Um, Gareth, thank you very much. Um, if you're enjoying the show, as I say, do give us a, a follow or subscribe wherever you're getting your podcasts. Um, do give us a, a like on social media as well or a follow. At GSY Press Sport It's the place to go on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Do pick up a paper as well, six days a week for the very best local sports coverage. And once again, thanks to Leap Frog Recruitment Consultants for their support of the show. We'll see you next week. Cheers, Tony.